Well, I also want to welcome you uh, here today. If we have not met, my name is David. I serve as a senior pastor here. Uh, it's a joy to be here with you. It's a joy to hear uh, Steve and Nicole's story. I'll tell you, when I saw that video earlier in the week, they hadn't added the pictures, uh, so I didn't know it was going to end uh, with that. Uh, that was uh, Grace's confirmation, the, uh, the chance to lay hands on her and pray God's blessing uh, for her. Uh, we introduce ourselves each and every week because we expect uh, that there's going to be someone who may be here for the very first time. That may be you uh, today. We do that as a way of... Uh, saying we welcome you, we, uh, we want to be gracious hosts and, uh, and, and receive you as a guest. And one of the reasons that we, that we do that is because we recognize that God blesses that. One of the ways that God blesses it is he brings into the life of the church uh, families like the Medina family, Steve and Nicole, the story uh, that you just heard. Whenever someone joins our church, uh, they do so through a brief uh, joining service at a, a gathering we call Starting Point. And I always start by saying this. We believe that each person who makes a commitment to a local church brings gifts and graces that expand and enhance the ministry and the life of that local church. And we believe that, but it's really, it's so encouraging to see and hear that uh, as, you, as you listen to what Steve and uh, uh, Nicole have shared with you and just the blessing they've been uh, to, our, uh, to our faith family. Uh, as you think about their story, I want to mention just a few things to you. First, in your bulletin today, you got a card uh, for something called Night to Shine. Uh, this is a prom that we host for special needs kids in our community. Uh, this is the second year that uh, we will be doing that. It's not till February, uh, but we're recruiting volunteers uh, for that right now. And so if you're interested in being a part uh, of that special blessing for kids like Grace, uh, you can just fill that out. Uh, you can bring that to myself or uh, drop it by the connecting point uh, after the service. would love for you to do that. And all guys, I want you to know about uh, our Guys Not Out, which is next week. You can get a ticket uh, at this website. Uh, guys Not Out is a night filled with things that guys love, none of which will get you in trouble with your wife or your mother. That's my guarantee to you. Uh, and I mention that in connection uh, to the Medina story because Steve has uh, played a, a major role in, in, in this, but also another event I'm going to talk to guys about on Friday night that we're going to do next fall for fathers and sons and then a few opportunities uh, throughout the year for daughters and dads to get together. Uh, and again, Steve's story and just his, uh, how intentional he is as a dad with his, uh, with his kids is a, is a big part of that. So I uh, want you to know about that, guys. We'd love to have you uh, next, uh, next Friday night for that as well. If you have your Bible today, I want to encourage you to turn uh, to the book of Matthew chapter 22. Uh, if you did not bring your Bible with you in the blue Bibles that we have available for you here in our worship spaces, uh, here uh, in the sanctuary, as well as uh, chapel and loft for those who are at the Well the Well Cafe today watching this message, uh, you can find uh, Matthew 22 on page 1539. We started this series last week, and one of the things that I mentioned is that while we love it when someone comes for the first time, I know that in a series like this, there are some who may walk in and go, oh no, why'd we come this week? Why didn't we wait for a couple weeks later till they weren't talking about this topic? Because we're in a series where we're talking about generosity. And generosity has a way of at times making people uh, feel uncomfortable, just the topic of speaking about that in church. And so just a few thoughts for you, just in case that might be uh, where you are. I, I want you to know that one of the reasons that we talk about generosity is because we care about you, the person who may be walking in for the very first time. Uh, we give because someone else gave to us. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. I once was lost, now I'm found. That's one of our favorite songs. And it's one of our favorite songs because it's our song. It's our story. 
There was a time in all of our lives where we did not know that there was something or better stated someone that was missing from our life. And it was only later that we discovered that all along that someone was looking for us. And that someone was looking for us through the life and ministry of the church. We, we showed up and, and, and we were found and, and life became to, uh, started heading in a new direction. And that was a gift that was just given to us. And it was available to us because of what someone else did for us. And so we, we give in order to do for others what others have done for us. It's an expression of our belief that the church isn't just about us. The church is about everyone and sharing God's gift with everyone. But the second thing I want to point out is if you're here today and you're still exploring, which that's, that's great, I'm so glad you're here. If you're still exploring faith and you're not quite sure about this whole Christianity thing, you're off the hook for all this anyways because you haven't signed up for this. This is like going to a foreign country and feeling guilty because you don't pay taxes for all the things you're seeing there. I mean, it's, a, it's not a commitment that you've made in your life. It's not an expectation. At the very least... I would hope that you would walk out today and maybe have a, a better understanding of why Christians do this really, really strange thing of giving away their resources. And Christians, we should remember, that's kind of a strange thing we do. So why do we do it? Why, why do we see that as an essential practice of our faith? And we've looked, uh, we're looking in this series at this one principle, that faithfulness in the first things has the power to change everything. How does generosity work in our life uh, when, when we see it as a first thing that we do, uh, it having the power to change everything in our lives? So we started last week with Deuteronomy 26, the instructions that Moses gives uh, to the Israelites, the, former, uh, the, the sons and daughters of former slaves who have never had a home, they've never received a harvest, and as they are, are about to enter into the promised land, before they receive the harvest, Moses says, here's what you need to do. When that blessing comes your way, you need to take the first fruits from that harvest, put it in a basket, you need to bring it to an altar as a way of saying, God, no matter what happens in my life, I remember what it was like to have nothing, I've been blessed with this something, but all along, God, you have been my everything. And I never, never, ever want to forget that you alone are my everything. Nothing else can take the place that you uh, have in my life. We talk about the, the harvest. That is still the place where all of us are most tempted to find our value and to define our security. It's just who we are as human beings. And so one of the reasons that we give is to say again, God you alone, you alone, that's where my hope is, that's where my value is, that's where my security is. So we're going to Matthew chapter 22 today, and let me tell you a few things about what I'm about to read uh, to you. First, this is Jesus uh, at a moment where he is answering all sorts of questions from his adversaries. I want you to know that. Uh, I want you to also know that this scripture is one of the scriptures that informs the mission statement that we have of making disciples of Jesus Christ who love God, love others, and serve the world. Making disciples comes from Matthew 28. The end of Matthew's gospel, Jesus says to his disciples, go and make disciples. In other words, go and do for somebody else what I have done for you. Keep this train rolling. I've given you this gift, now you go give this gift to others. And in Matthew 22, this is another major uh, portion of the scriptures that informs uh, the way we think about our life and mission together. So listen, uh, beginning in verse 34. 
Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. And one of them, an expert in the law, tested him, Jesus, with this question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? So let me first point out to you what law we're talking about. This isn't law like we would think about it. This is the Jewish law. Uh, Over 600 laws given to the Jews to inform uh, and direct their daily life so that they could live as faithful Jews. And this was from the very simple, mundane tasks of life to the very complicated tasks of life. Again, hundreds and hundreds of laws. And the expert in the law says to Jesus, could you tell me what the most important one is? Could you boil it down, Jesus, to just one instruction? And I want you to uh, first think about how ridiculous this question is. So some of y'all have some of these like smartphone devices, you know, and and let's just imagine that you went to one of the engineers who helped construct and make that thing work. And you said, you know, I know this is really, really complicated and it's probably a hard question, but could you just tell me in one sentence how you made this thing? I mean, this is how ridiculous this question is that that is asked of Jesus, But, but he actually answers it. And he answers it by saying this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So he's asked for one. And it seems at first glance that Jesus, I can't quite get it down to one. Let me just give you two. Here are the two things. He says, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Everything in the law hinges on these two ideas. Jesus said, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. And what I want to encourage you to think about is that this is really not two separate commandments, but rather one call to love. One call to love that is expressed in two steps, but these, uh, these two steps are always deeply connected to one another. And let me see if I can illustrate that for you. So some of you have seen this before. Uh, this is an illustration I've used in the past, uh, but if you've seen it before, I just got to tell you, it's experienced a few upgrades. It's much better than it's ever been before. So here... <laughs> Here we go. This is an illustration of the Christian life. This is what it looks like to grow as a Christian, uh, to become a more deeply committed follower of Jesus. So you have here two glass vases, and they're identical, uh, but they, uh, are, they have within them two separate things. So we have one that represents, represents us. This is humanity. This is our life, and we have one that represents God. Uh, They are two identical vases because one of the things that the Bible teaches is that we are created in the image of God. And so here, that's new by the way. It's a new upgrade to the illustration. There you go. See, I'll, I'll point out all the new good things. So this again is you. This is our life and our life is filled with all sorts of junk. And this junk is, is lots of different things. For some of us, it's just the worries of our life. It's, it's, it's that worry that just won't let go uh, of us. It, for some of us, it's, just, it's the wound that we've experienced in our life. It's that thing that happened to us or that thing that we may have done or that addiction that we may have struggled with or are still struggling with in our life. And, and, and what those experiences and hurts tell us is that you're not lovable, you're not worthy, 
no one's ever really going to care about you. All those things in our life that, that they cloud the essence of who we are. They cloud our hearts and our minds, our souls. This is the cholesterol of your soul. That's also new, by the way. New phrase. <laughs> I like that. This is all the stuff that gets, that gets in the way. And, and when, we, when we become a Christian, what that looks like is God pouring God's self into us. Now, now, what is it that God pours into us? Well, the Bible also says that God is love. It doesn't say that God really likes love or God, nine times out of ten, is going to do something loving. Rather, God, in God's essence, is God embodies love. And so as God pours God's self into us, what is God pouring into us? God is pouring into us love. And that's good news because the Bible also says that love comes from God. Which means that any loving action that has ever occurred between you and another person, that actually didn't begin with you. It started in God. And, and over the course of your life, you may look back and go, well, that's really strange. I don't know how that works. Well, it works because you were created by God and you were created in the image of God. And, and that is God's love at work in your life, even before you even understood that that was, in fact, what was happening. And so it's good that God's love is, is poured into us because that love is what gives us the capacity to love others. But that love does more than just uh, increase our capacity. That love also does something in us with all this junk that we have in our life. That is, love grows in us as, as we make ourselves available to receive more and more of God's love. These worries of our life that, again, they used to just cloud, cloud our judgment, our thinking, and everything about us, we, we don't worry about them anymore. Th those, those wounds that we've experienced in our life, those wounds get healed. And that lie that that wound tells us that we're not worthy, we're, we, no one can love us, that, that gets dealt with. And that wound gets, gets removed from our life. It's, it's healed in a way that it can, a broken thing can become a beautiful thing. And as that love is poured into us, it, again, it not only it heals us of our wounds, it, it, uh, it removes the worries from our life, it also, I want you to see this, it also increases our capacity to love. Because God's love has been poured into our life. And God's love is what gives us the capacity to love others. We're also not spending the same energy that we were spending before on all this fear and other junk in our life. We have more energy to give to others. And to be aware and sensitive to the needs of, of those around us. This is how God's love transforms us from the inside out. But again, notice... Jesus gives this call to love in two steps. He begins first with loving God. Because as we love God, God increases our capacity to love others. So when you give, when you are generous in your life, when you sacrifice for others, you are doing so as an act of love for God. Now, here's how you could misunderstand this illustration. You could misunderstand and say, well, what the pastor told me is if I give more, God will love me more. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I will tell you this, that as you give more, you will love God more. Now, how does that work? Well, 
God is love. And God so loved, the scriptures say, that what? He gave. And so when you give, in whatever way that you might do that, whether it's a financial gift or you sacrifice for someone else, you give of your time or your, uh, some other resource, you are doing something that God loves to do. And in that process, you cannot help but grow in deeper love with God, which in turn gives you an increased capacity to love others. And this is really what we mean when we talk about that faithfulness in the first things has the power to change everything. Rather, rather than seeing the Christian life as a list of do's and don'ts, which is how many people think about the Christian life, rather than seeing uh, the Christian life uh, as a set of religious practices that, uh, that we share as a response to, to guilt or out of a sense of obligation, the Christian life is instead a renovation of the heart. It's a renovation of your life from the inside out. It's not just an enhancement to our life. It is a radical rescue from a life of imminent disaster. The easiest way to waste your life, you've heard this before, the easiest way to waste your life is to make it all about you. The clearest and most tangible way for you to protect yourself from the wasted life is to begin to give that life away, giving it to others, because as you do, you, these work hand in hand, loving God and loving others. So when we put all these pieces together, the first things have the power to change everything. It protects us from seeing generosity as an act that's born out of a sense of obligation, but rather generosity is a response to God that is born out of love, love that first came from God. God's love transforms us, and God's love always, always reorients us away from ourselves and towards one another. And again, that's what we mean when we say that faithfulness in the first things actually has the power in your life to change everything. So here's how I want to challenge you with this, with this today. If you remember last week, we talked about the, the idea of the basket that we find in Deuteronomy 26. And this, so the challenge might be for you, if generosity is not a part of your life, just to begin by grabbing a basket and actually putting in the, to that basket the first fruits. I, I challenge you just to put that in there, let it sit for the next four weeks and pray about whether God would move your heart to bring that to an altar. As a way of saying, God, in you and you alone, I want to find my value and I want to find my security. And some of you may think, well, that's, that's plenty of challenge. But for some, this will be a more significant one. Because as you think about this process, you're someone who is already living out the call to generosity. But you see this and you think, I'm, I'm not sure this is what I'm experiencing in my life. And, and, and in no sense of judgment, but just as a, a way of clarifying, I, I think this may help you think through why that transformation may not be happening in your life like you would want it. Here's why. When we do last what God has asked us to do first, we will always struggle. It's the same thing as the financial planner who comes along and in wisdom says, you save first, because if you don't, you won't. <laughs> you get to the end and you'll think, no, I don't want to put that aside. 
And when you do last what God has done first, here's what also happens all the time. Guilt begins to creep in. And a sense of obligation begins to creep in. And, and it's very easy for there to be a disconnect between your experience and what the Bible talks about when it talks about being a cheerful giver. But when we do first, when we invest first in loving God, this is what happens in our life. It transforms us and it increases our capacity to love others. So for some, uh, as you think about uh, generosity in your life, the most significant change that you could make is to simply flip the tables on that and to begin to do first. Well, right now you may be doing next or you might be doing last because we believe and what the scriptures teach is this, that when you're faithful in the first things, it really does have the power to change everything. Let me pray for you. Loving and gracious God, we give you thanks for your grace at work in our life, your love poured into us. And Lord, we confess to you that often when we think about change, we think about just working harder. We, we think about just coming up with a plan and being more disciplined and doing whatever we can to, to deal with the behavior or the sin, the addiction, the hurt, whatever it is in our life to somehow make it better. Lord, I pray that you would remind us today that we change indirectly. We change as we receive your love. And your love transforms us from the inside out. Lord, I pray that each word that's been shared today, that it would be a word that is heard, uh, received in love. Out of a desire, Lord, to see lives transformed, to see hearts renewed, to see a hope springing forth within each of us that is, that is deeper and more significant than anything we have ever known before. May you bless us, your people, Lord, as we continue to seek to grow and be changed and become the people that we have been called to be. And people, Lord, who you believe by the power of your spirit, we can, in fact, one day become. All these things we ask in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.